the greatest love story ever told. That the story, the story of God, the real story of reality, that that could be a love story. It's beautiful. But that the lover of that story, that that lover's beloved is you. It's breathtaking. It is such good news that most of us spend the whole of our lives trying to fully believe it. Trying to let its power soak in so deeply that we can believe it enough to really trust it. To willingly and delightfully accept that there's no better story for us, for our story, than living the story with God. It's a love story. It's a love story. The the whole point of, of Genesis is to drive home this point that resounds again and again and again throughout this story, that it is the heart of God to be with you. Let me say it again. It is the heart of God to be with you. Too many times we try to take a science lesson from the story of creation. It wasn't meant as a science lesson. It's a love story. And all of creation just sets the stage. If if it was a science story, it would probably have all the intricacies of how God did it. But the story as we read it, the point of it is to point to who did it. That this was our lover coming for us. This was our lover creating a space and a place where he could be with us. This is, this is to remind us that our knight in shining armor first built a castle with a room for us. In fact, as I read it in the story, it became even almost uncomfortably unscientific. I like it better in my New American Standard Bible. At least there's a, you know, I'm one of those kind of, I'm a scientifically minded person. I, I, I like to, to meld the science with, with the story as, as, as best I can. But, but I must realize that the story as it's told is not meant to answer the question, what happened so much, as it is to answer, who did it? In the beginning, God, it starts, Right? And, and I love the way it's told in, in the story. It really is a, a biblical translation in most part. But, but the way it tells it, it, it almost rings as what it probably was, according to scholars. That the story of creation was not something first dictated to Moses and then written down as the story of what had always been. But rather, Moses probably collected the story as it had been told orally, not in written form. He just wrote down what every father who read the story would have gone, yeah, yeah, got it right, just like I tell it, right? This is a story, probably, put it this way, think of it being told as a father stands up over uh, a campfire. There's many generations around, 
those that have heard the story many times and they're watching those that are hearing it maybe for the first time. And, and this father tells a story over a campfire after a wonderful meal on a beach. And the sun is just set and the darkness has just come and the moon is high in the sky. And you could look around and see the what had become from the who that had done it. It wasn't meant to be a scientific lesson. It was meant to be a secret admirer's note. It's a love story. And if we can come to fully believe this story... Trust the God who's behind it and who is the author of the story, then truly this story can become our story. And, and don't most of us sometimes feel like we're missing the story? I mean, I can feel that even today, you know, that, that, that somehow my story in the mundane way on the lower story is, has just kind of hit a mundane rut and rhythm, and I wonder if it's even connected to the upper story. I pray the upper story into the lower story every day. You probably do too. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we get into the lower story. Give us this day our daily bread. And, and, and this isn't the prayer that we conjured to pray. This is the prayer that God taught us to pray. Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven. He taught us this story right out of the heart of God. Even then, He's pointing to what is framed in these first chapters of Genesis. That God would go to great extents just to carve out a place and a time and a way to be with us. We find that hard to believe. We would expect, uh, we, we really expect God's commentary to run something like this on the first six days of creation. And God created, uh, you know, the darkness and the light and flung the stars into existence and knew the name of everyone and, and painted that first night sky and there was sun and morning and sunsets and sunrises and God must be saying, wow, look at this. This is amazing. That's what we do when we look at all this. But God just says, ah, that's good. That's good. That's good. And, and He waits until the sixth day until He makes humanity, right? And He, he looks at that and He says, this Mwah. This is very good. What you feel when you look at the most beautiful sunset is only a reflection of what the beginning of what God feels when He looks at you. Wow. You think He sees something you don't? Probably. And if we could come to see ourselves the way He sees us, that great love that drives Jesus even to a cross to reclaim us starts to make sense. 
That's, that's not a new kind of love that came into the world with Jesus. That's the love that God has had for us always and will have for us forever. Imagine all these individual faces. Maybe the Gerber baby. Is, is it possible that these individual faces, babies and, and old men and the next, and uh, a woman, male and female, and somebody as famous as a Kennedy or, or, or a King or a Gandhi and somebody just like the little girl next door. Some people of different ethnicities, red, white, you know, brown, blue, could be part as individuals of a bigger picture. Your story and my, my story woven into a, a bigger piece of art. That's exactly what the Scriptures say. In Ephesians chapter 2, For you are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are His workmanship, His poem, His work of art. You as an individual and us as a collective, as God weaves His story and as we submit to it and become collaborators with Him in it, God continues His art. The artist of the upper story is still painting in the lower story. Don't, don't miss this. Even, even in the first chapters of the Bible, it's clear that this is a love story. The point of creation is not a science lesson. It's the setting for a relationship. Who is behind it? The lover. Who is it for? His beloved. This is their place. Humanity in God's place. This is their story. Look at what God did to the extent that He went to make His story ours. And it's amazing. From the very beginning, He, he, he doesn't uh, uh, diminish us. He, he gives us a meaningful role. He made us male and female in, in the garden and, and then gave us purposeful work that we would be the cultivators there, the nurturers there. Look, look in this beginning story. And so much of what's precious about life, even there, has its roots. Good work. Purpose. The nature of cultivating and, and nurturing. Don't you think if the rest of creation could give us an impression of humanity is, that they would say we're probably we're the ones that keep building. The ones that keep creating, that are never satisfied with the way it is, that always want to make it better for the next generation that it's been in the past. We're, we, we're cultivators, we're nurturers. There in those first chapters are, are the snapshot of marriage. Maleness and femaleness polarized into two different genders, and therefore, because they're polarized like magnets, Drawn back to one another, and a man shall leave his home and his mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. There it is. You know, there's, there, there's, there's origins. There's the kinds of things that little kids would ask. Mom, Dad, why are there mommies and daddies? This is the campfire story. This is the love story of God. 
We're called to be stewards of creations. There, there, there's reason behind the working and the resting in the rhythm of our lives. And more than anything else, we in this life can have the opportunity to relate to God. Imagine walking with God in the cool of the day. I have no idea what that was like. Don't you wish you could? Don't you wish you could? I, I, I wonder, you know, if you could walk with God in the cool of the day, this afternoon, what would you talk about? What would you bring up? Would it really be how atoms and molecules came to be? I mean, would that be what you talked about? Where would you go? Do, do you ever feel like, like they said, like the, that this is your life and I must have missed the dress rehearsal because this is it. The curtain has gone up and the play is already underway and I've got a part and I've got a costume and I don't know the script. Who, who, anybody ever? Just me? Just me? Uh, this week? Uh, how, how, how is that? How, I, I bet maybe some of my questions would go to that. Just this last week, I went over for that prayer session with those students from Toronto. Amazing kids. Love the Lord. Love you. Uh, want to edify and comfort and build you up and express God's heart to you in their prayers. And, and, and they've learned how to be still before God and just speak in faith and hope that what, what God is bringing to their mind might have some, some meaning for you. And they offer those things, not to, to put you into a box, but just by possibility to be a, a conduit of God's heart to your heart. And it, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. The first little guy had a quite, quite a difficult accent. I wasn't quite sure what he was saying most of the time. But he said, yeah, yeah. What I'm getting is I, I, I see you as a dinosaur. And I almost got up and walked out right there. I thought, well, that's great, you know. 20-something-year-old Yahoo dinosaur sitting in front of you. Know. Uh, but he's, no, and, and uh, I see a dinosaur of great strength is what I see. And, you, and you, you, God's giving you strength to be an influencer. <laughs> he didn't have any idea I was a pastor. No idea I was a pastor. And another one of the young ladies said, yeah, I see you in a field. I see you in a field and, and, and you have a stake in your hand and, and it's, I don't understand this. This makes no sense to me, but this is just what I'm seeing. So I'm going to offer it. And you're, you're nailing a stake into the ground. And you've nailed a stake into the ground. And you're persevering in your prayers. You're, you're, your hands are lifted to the heavens. And you're saying, let it rain. Let it rain. God, pour out. Let it rain. And you're persevering and you're persevering. But the rain hasn't come and you don't understand. And you're shaking your fist at heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. And she said, and then I saw a plop. Oh, one little drop, a plop. <laughs> and then, and then, then a whole, whole shifting, a, a pouring out from heaven upon the earth. And I don't know if that means anything to you, but that's what I see. I wanted to say, I'm a church planner. Hello. <laughs> 
But I didn't, because I was afraid if I, if I gave anything away, then I would suspect later that they were making this up, right? I'm, I, I'm such a man of great faith. <laughs> I wonder, I, I want us to talk about it for just a second. If, if, you, if you can find some people around you that don't look scary, uh, <laughs> I, I want you to talk about this for just a second. If, 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 you could, if you could do that, if you could walk with God in the cool of the day, If you could reclaim this creation for its purpose. If, if you could walk with God, what do you think you'd talk about? What do you think you'd talk about? Think about it for a minute. I'm, I'm going to give you three, three or four minutes just to talk about that with a few people. What would you talk about? Now, if you turn and the person next to you is like this, it's, it's okay. Okay, you don't have, you don't have to... Press into their world right now, okay? Uh, maybe, maybe they just want to sit there silently and not, not be um, disturbed. Maybe this is a very deep conversation, you know. Respect that. I'm, I'm a, but, but I want to give you the chance to interact just a little bit. We're going to start doing messages a little different during this series, we said. And part of that was going to be giving you an opportunity to actually interact with one another. If the point of all this is to build a relationship with God and build a relationship with one another, if I stand here and talk this whole time and all you get an opportunity to do is to stare at the back of another head, what kind of relationship have we built? If it's a love story, let's live into it what would you say? Find a friend, talk about it for just a few minutes.
All right, very good. Very good. As you wrap up those conversations, know that those can continue this week. We're going to be, every week, our home teams will be discussing uh, what we're reading and, and what we're experiencing here on Sunday morning and kind of taking what we're taking in for a test drive with one another and encouraging each other uh, in the community of our home teams. Those meet on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. The, the home teams are posted over here on the wall. Know that you're welcome at any of those at any time. Uh, you may want to take a contact number and know who to call to get directions and, and make sure everything's on as expected. Sometimes there's some adjustments and schedule from those that are usual there, usually there. So um, I hope those kind of conversations can continue. They become that much more real as we continue to talk about it. This, this love story. And, and it is a love story. And because it's a love story, and love is always a choice, isn't it? I know, I know you know, Fiddler on the Roof started out as an arranged marriage, right? But in the end, they're singing... What was her name? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, Sonia? Sonia, do you love me? Love is always a choice. Can't be forced. Can't be pushed. Can't be straight-jacketed. It's either from the heart... Or it's something less than love, isn't it? And so God in this love story creates it right from the beginning with with the choice. The choice to respond, to be mutually chosen or not. And for some reason, you know, I find it hard to believe that there are thousands of generations between me and Adam. I swear that guy is my granddad. Because we're 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 just we're we're too much alike, you know? Think about this to have all of creation, right? To choose. The whole garden's out there before you, you know, and it's a, it's, it's a multiple choice uh, with a thousand answers, good answers, right answers, providing answers, answers that the Lord would delight in, you know. He's in the garden for God's sakes. And, and what multiple choice box does he mark? Other. Other. And I, 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 I hate that I identify with that so much. The, 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 I find in my own heart this lack of appreciation for all the blessings and all the good things in my life. and oh, I just want the avalanche. You know what I mean? Not the avalanche. The, the, the truck. The, the avalanche. The forward, Y'all are completely missing this, aren't you? <laughs> you know, I'm... Try not to covet John's truck. And the, you, you know, that, that, that's what's... Anybody else? Look at this story of Adam and Eve. And they don't seem like distant relatives. <laughs> they may have come to visit this Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Just a little, little, too, little too close. But, but love is a choice. And tragically, because of the sin nature of our heart... I don't know if it was formed then or it was always there, if that was the choice to choose to follow God or to choose to follow our sin nature, but, but that, that starts replicating itself. It, it does so in Cain and in Abel. And so uh, paradise lost has a ripple effect all the way down to us. Let's keep going here. I can't. Isn't it funny how it only doesn't work? Yeah. 
but, but there's curse. But even, and because of that, God closes the door. Uh, listen, think of it this way. He preserves Camelot. The, the tree of, of life. He banishes them from the garden in order not to give up on the dream. No, we, we will deal with this, and this will not come to between us, and, and I will overcome this. But even as the curse for what was lost is real, and, and they are cast out of the garden, even as the curse is being recited, he says, and serpent and woman, there shall be enmity between you and her, and between your seed, Satan, and her seed, not plural, singular, her seed, and he... Uh, and you shall bruise his heel, but he shall bruise your head. Crack your head. He'll give you the knockout punch. Right, right even there, e- even as the cur- right in the middle of the curse, there's there's a there's a promise. You can read it right there in Genesis. Uh, it's right there on that side of the page in my Bible. But, but two, I think it's it's in chapter two or chapter three. It's right there close. And God banishes them from the garden. But even as the curse is pronounced, the necessary consequences for sin are exacted. Nevertheless, there's this lover's call that I will make it right. I will still pursue. And the consequences compound. You know, there's Cain and there's Abel. And there's generation after generation that seems to get just farther and farther from God. But, but there are a few people. There's two mentioned, really. One is Enoch, and, and the other is Noah. And Enoch and Noah have the same epitaph. They walked with God. <laughs> I never caught that before. But the trouble with normal is it always gets worse. The trouble with sin unredeemed is it keeps planting more and more fruit with more and more produce with more and more fruit. And it has a momentum of its own. And eventually that momentum gets so great that about the 10th or 11th chapter, the thoughts of man are evil only continually. And God says, reboot. It's time to start over. But even in the starting over, he hangs on to the dream. He finds one righteous man, Noah, and his family, and he tells them to build a boat. And they build a boat, which becomes the salvation for that original dream to, to start over. But as it said, even, even the starting, you'd think if you could find one righteous man, don't you think that way sometimes? Well, if just the good people were around and we could get rid of all the evil people and start over, then everything would be fine. That, that's, that's the problem. It's those people. Apparently not. Apparently, it's not those people. Apparently, whatever's going on in those people is going on in all people. Even the best of us can't save us. And the descendants of Noah eventually fall into many of the same patterns and the the war between good and evil within this world and within our hearts continues. And it's an epic tale. And, and the solution is still coming. Even though it's been promised, this God continues to pursue us. 
And yet, even as he pursues this, and even though it's not perfect yet, how many of you have found that perfect place? You're, 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 you're in utopia. You've found your way there. You've got the 40K, whatever, K'd away. And everything, anybody got to... Perf- one, one pastor actually asked that question, and a hand went up in the back. Really? You, you, you know a perfect man? And he said, yes, my wife's first husband. Uh, so, so don't believe the rumor. Even along the way, God's heart is so for us that, that He seeks to walk with us. Long before Jesus, Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. Even now, before we know the fullness of all that He has for us, eye is not seen and ear is not heard. All that the Lord has prepared. And believe in God, believe also in Me. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you for 2,000 years. The carpenter's been at work. And he hadn't finished my place yet. Nor yours. I wonder what he's adding to the room today. You know, isn't that the, the best part of the story? It, it was a strange kind of burial. You know, the, the, the casket was down front. And uh, I'm not talking about my granny who passed away this last week, by the way. That was a beautiful time of celebration here. And thank you for all your cards. But it was much like that. There was a casket down front, and people came by the casket in that particular church to kind of pay their last respects. And as they went by, they noticed the lady was there. Her hands um, respectfully folded across her chest, and she had a fork in her hand. And the, the pastor noticed it. You know, the family doesn't always tell you everything. Sometimes they tell you a little too much. You know, you can't tell everything in the funeral sermon that you hear over at the house. But but. You know, he, he hadn't heard about this. So afterwards, he approached the, the bride of the deceased, and, um, or, or actually the husband of the deceased. It was grandma that had passed away. He said, oh, that's just a little family. She always made the meals, you know, and we'd always go over there for... And, and one of the things that we always heard her say, that we always... She was a great cook, made these wonderful pies. And we'd finish this meal. Nobody had any more room to eat anything else, but when you smelled that pie, somehow you made room. And as she would pick up all the plates, getting ready for dessert, she would always say, save your fork, the best is yet to come. Save your fork, the best is yet to come. If you believe this story is yours, save your fork. Always, 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 the best is yet to come. I want to challenge you this week to reclaim some of this story as your story. Would you this week consider a first date? Or maybe just a next date with the lover of your soul? I'm not asking you to jump into marriage. I'm just saying... Could you handle a date with someone who loves you like that, that says you're more beautiful than the sunset, that's made all of this as an opportunity for this, to walk with your God in the cool of the day?
You know, even the weather changed for us. Isn't that great? I want to challenge you sometime this week to a nature walk. Maybe there's a park near where you work or, or near where you live. Or maybe there's, there's a farm that you can go to that, that's nearby. Or I want to challenge you to a nature walk with your God. And, and notice his creation. Take it in as a secret admirer note to yourself, right? Notice, notice the big and notice the little. I, I, I love going to the beach. There's something so intimate about each wave lapping right there at your feet of this immense ocean. It reminds me of the bigness of God and the closeness of God all in the same place. I, I, I don't know from where I will translate into heaven, but I bet it'll be from a beach. I'm a beach guy. I'm a southern boy. This cold drives me crazy. But wherever you need to get to see the big and the intimate detail of his creation made for you, experience that. Not just think about it. Go experience it. See it with your eyes. Hold it with your hands. Smell it. Walk among it. And and there in that place, invite God just to be with you. Now, you don't have to hear voices. If that happens for you, I want to know how that's done. You know, I'm, I'm in for that. But just talk to him about your day. Talk to him about your hopes and your dreams and your frustrations. And take a walk with your Abba. Enjoy a first date. And you know, I bet that if you do, if you take this challenge, this mission possible, I bet by the end of that date, you find the lover of your soul nudging you for the next one. Isn't that what they always do? If they really love you. If they're really excited to see you. So what are you doing tomorrow? Next weekend. It's a love story. That the story could be a love story is beautiful. But that the lover of the story loves me. That's breathtaking. I challenge you to just try to take some of it in. Let him woo you on your own walk this week. Would you pray with me? Lord God, so many of us are in different places. Perhaps only you know intimately exactly where each of us are this day. But Lord, from wherever we are, we can take a step towards you. Help us this week as we read the second chapter of the story to hear the echoes and the connections between our story and your story. Help us continue to walk it out, Father, until until we are finally enjoying the script unfold and we're a part of it. 
Lord, I thank you for every ear that's listened for you through what we said and what we shared. But Father, I pray, I pray that you would give each and every one of us ears to hear your voice and hearts to sense your touch. And I pray, God, that you would do what you love to do. That you'd take a walk with your children. We look forward to it. We anticipate it. We thank you for it. We sing this song as a love song to our secret admirer. Let's stand and sing.